thinking the other day, and that may come as a shock to some of you, but I was thinking the other day, uh, most of the time I'm on auto, autopilot, I think, but I was thinking the other day, you know, with all the things that's happened this year, all the problems that we've seen in the last week and the pandemic and all of these things that we see that are taking place, sometimes the people, or people think that the world's falling apart. And what I was thinking about was, if you remember back to 2000, when it was about ready to change over to 2000, people thought that the world was going to come to an end. And I thought, what would have happened if everything that's taken place in 2020 had taken place in the year 2000? Could you imagine what people would have thought? They would have really thought that the world was coming to an end. But as you can see, it hasn't come to an end. God's still in charge and we are still under His control and we need to be thankful that our God is a never-changing God. He is the same today, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that is a tremendous blessing that we have to know that we have a God that we can serve and when we're faithful to Him, He is faithful to us. And so be thankful for what we have. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be made known unto all men, and the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that ye speak in respect of want, or not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in everything I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Many times, as I mentioned, there are times that we have troubles and we need to be encouraged. And I think that God gives us that encouragement. Years ago in this country, wolves were in danger of being extinct. And there was a special bounty that was offered if someone caught a live wolf and turned it in, they would be paid $5,000. Each live, live wolf was captive would bring the person uh, that captured it $5,000. And so it turned two men into fortune hunters. They headed for the forest. Day and night they looked for their $5,000 wolf, but they couldn't find him. It was hopeless. And then one night as they were camping in a clearing... Sam woke up his friend to find, or woke up and he found 50 wolves surrounding their camp. Their eyes looked hungry. Their teeth were showing. They were growling. 
And Sam nudged his friend and said, Jed, wake up. We're rich. That's a pretty good attitude to have uh, in a situation like that. Or what about the two men who were sent by a shoe manufacturer to a remote country to sell shoes? One wrote back, I have, I have terrible news. Nobody here wears shoes. I'm coming home. The other man wrote, this is a wonderful country. I'm so grateful to, to be sent here to this territory. Nobody here wears shoes. Send me 5,000 pairs. I think that you can see both of those examples that it's attitude that makes a difference. How they looked at the situation and the attitude that they had with the wolves and with the, the people that did not wear shoes. And I think that sometimes our attitude needs to be adjusted, that we need to adjust it in the right way. But I also believe that there are times that attitude is not enough. What happens when life circumstances are simply overwhelming? Well, all the things that are taking place in our world and in our lives, life has changed. There's a lot of things that are difficult for us to accept. This week and this year, this month has all been tough on us. And that's when we need encouragement the most. Thankfully, that's also the moment that you might realize that encouragement like that is actually available. The encouragement that we need, even when our attitude may not be right, the encouragement that we need is found in God's Word. And God gives us that encouragement. He gives us a peace that passeth all understanding. And it's one of the precious forms of encouragement that God has to offer us. It is a peace that comes when we trust God, when we trust His ways, when we put our faith in Him and we actually believe what He says He will do. It is the answer to contentment and the ability to actually enjoy life. If you like, would like to experience the peace that God offers, there are some things that you need to do. It doesn't always come automatically. There's some choices that you and I have to make. And so I want to talk about some of those things this morning. I think that we can look at the passage of Scripture in Philippians that will help us to see what you and I need to do. But before we do that, keep your finger there at Philippians and turn over to Acts chapter 16. For one, the first thing that we need to do if we want to experience the joy or the peace that God offers, we have to choose joy in times of anxiety. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 12, I'm not going to read the passages, but as we go along, you'll see some of the things that I'm talking about. In, in Acts chapter 16 and verse 12, we find there that Paul and Silas is on one of their missionary journeys, and they went to Philippi. And in Philippi, they were confronted with a, a damsel, the Scripture says, that had a spirit of divination. And she followed them around and, and bothered them constantly, they're saying things that you know they didn't appreciate. But they ended up casting out this spirit of divination. And her masters, the people that were in charge of this damsel, had made a lot of money. They had gotten a lot of gain from her soothsaying. Well, when they cast out, when Peter or when Paul cast out this spirit of divination, they lost their ability to make money. 
And so they were very unhappy. And so they had Paul and Silas arrested. And then they were beaten severely. The Bible says that they had received many stripes. And then they were placed in the prison or in the jail. And there were stocks that were put upon their feet. And they were placed in the inner portion of the jail. All of that we can see where they were beaten and arrested in Acts chapter 16 and verse 22. But I want you to imagine the pain that they were in from this beating. The Bible doesn't say that they were in great pain, but they received many stripes. And I can, would imagine that from that beating that they received, that they weren't very comfortable while they were in that prison. No one had given them any medicine to take care of the pain. No one had uh, put any ointment on it. Nothing had taken place to give them any comfort while they're in this jail. And so they're in this jail and they're in stocks. Now those stocks weren't designed to be very comfortable. They weren't lined with velvet so that they would be soft around your ankles. I'm sure that they were very, very uncomfortable. And if you've ever had a cast or you had to have your arm in a sling or something where you can't scratch, you always have an itch somewhere that you can't reach. Now imagine being in stocks and you can't get to where your foot may be itching or something may be hurting and your back where you've been beating or been beaten is in pain. Do you think Paul and Silas were discouraged at that particular time and needed encouragement? What was their reaction to this really bad day that they were having? In Acts chapter 16 and verse 25, look at what they chose to do. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. Think about that. You know, we sometimes just read these events in the Bible and we kind of gloss over the fact that they're in, now they're in jail, they're singing praises and they're praying to God. Oh, that's wonderful. But we forget the fact that they had been beaten and then they were in stocks and they're in the inner prison. And imagine the conditions in those jails. I would imagine they weren't like some of the things that we have today. I would imagine there would be bugs and there would be rats and different things that were there. And so we skip over that part, but remember that. They're in agony while they're there in that jail. But what do they choose to do? Pray and sing praises to God. Two men that were serving God were praising by singing and praying to God on a day when it seemed like God had taken the day off. You ever had a day like that? Maybe you weren't beaten, but it just seemed that God had taken the day off. So where was God during their arrest? During their humiliation? and during the beating. Why had God let Paul and Silas, people that were out doing God's will, 
people that were out teaching the gospel, people that were doing good things, yet all of this had happened to them. You know, sometimes as Christians, that's the way we think, that we've obeyed the gospel and good things should happen. And when something bad happens to us, we kind of get upset with God. How could you allow that to happen? Why had God allowed His missionaries to sit in that prison all afternoon and half of the night? The bigger question might be, why would Paul and Silas sing praises to God under those conditions? Before that question was answered, we read in Acts chapter 16 that an earthquake shook that prison. Paul and Silas were freed from their chains and no one was harmed. And before the night was over, the jailer washed their wounds from that beating and the jailer and his household heard the gospel and they believed the gospel and they were baptized. See how important the choice that Paul and Silas made there in that jail made in a difference? How it made a difference in the jailer's life and those prisoners. You see, sometimes the choices that we make have a great impact on the people around us. There must have been a connection between what happened to Paul in Philippi on his visit in Acts chapter 16 with what he wrote to the Christians there several years later. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Why is that so important? Why would Paul make that statement? Maybe he could reflect back upon Philippi when he was in jail, and he saw all these things that had happened that did not seem great and wonderful and good, but yet he sang praises to God, he prayed to God, and then that earthquake came, and then the jailer sees that no one has left, no one's fled. Why did they not flee? Why didn't they go away? Because of the impact, I believe, that Paul and Silas had on those prisoners and the people around them. And as a result of their choice of choosing joy, the jailer obeyed the gospel along with his household. Now, how far-reaching was that decision? They chose joy, and the jailer is now a Christian. What impact did that jailer have on the people around him? His household believed and they were baptized. But what impact did that have on people even further out of that reach of their lives? The people in the community, the people that they associated with. You think that decision that Paul and Silas made that night to sing praises to God and to offer prayer to God had an impact on the people far-reaching from them. Paul reminds them because it's quite possible they could have forgotten that innocent prisoner who sang at midnight. 
And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Be careful for nothing. Some translations say, uh, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Paul's telling them what they need to do. Why it's important to rejoice. Why is it important to have joy? Why is it important to choose that method as opposed to going back and complaining and mumbling and groaning? I could imagine that Paul and Silas could have been just like any of the other prisoners that may have been there and moaned and complained about what was going on and what had taken place. They could have been like some Christians that when bad things happen, oh, how did God allow this to happen? But they made a choice. And the choice that they made made a difference not only in their life, but in a lot of other people's lives that were around them. And so if anxiety rules your day, I want to encourage you to turn the tables on your stress. Do what Paul and Silas does or did. Sing a song of praise to God. Offer a prayer. Talk to God. Tell God how much you love Him. Even if you feel unloved at that particular moment. Choosing joy in the midst of anxiety is faith being lived out in your life. Do you trust God? Do you trust God that He can make good things happen out of bad things? Look at that situation. They're arrested. That doesn't sound good. They're beaten. That doesn't sound good. They're placed in stocks in the jail. That doesn't sound good. But do you see some good that came out of it? I do. We need to look for the good in life. My second point is this. In an immoral world, choose an intentional path of purity. One of the surest ways for a Christian to lose his peace is for him or her to intentionally choose a path of immorality. What do I mean by that? Well, let me give another example. I'm sure if you're like me, and I'm sure that there's a lot of people here that will do what I'm going to talk about, that there are times that you feel stressed. There may be a time where uh, I'm under uh, uh, stress to get a sermon done, and while I'm sitting at my computer, I want to get something to munch on. Or if I'm just stressed, I want a bag of chips. You know, you just got to have them. And in your mind... You're hearing the, that, 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 that conscience or whatever it is up there saying, you know, that's not good for you. You shouldn't eat that. But yet you keep stuffing your face full of it. And over and over you're saying, this isn't going to be good. I shouldn't be doing this. This is not going to be good for my health. It's not going to be good for my figure. <laughs> not going to be good for a lot of things, but I just continue to do it. Even with all those alarm bells going on up there, you just keep doing it. And then later you get on the scale and you realize, guess what? You know, those alarm bells were right. I shouldn't have done that. And that's kind of what happens to us sometimes 
when things aren't going the way that we would like for them to go. And we have a choice to do what is right, what God says, or we can do something that God doesn't want us to do. We can choose to murmur and complain and gripe and groan about the situation, or we can make the best of the situation. And so that's what I'm talking about when I say make a, a, a conscious choice, an intentional choice to follow the path of purity. Do what is right. Make it a conscious decision that I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to do no matter what the circumstances are. I'm not going to allow that to say, well, this is an excuse. I can use this as an excuse to mistreat someone, to say things that I shouldn't say, to do things that I shouldn't do. That's not what I'm supposed to do. So choose to do the right thing. You see, if we give in to the temptations, we'll find that we have only one of two options. We can sin, and that violates the Word of God, or the peace of God's that we have when we are obedient to Him. When we obey Him, we can have that peace. But it's like getting on that scale the next day or a couple of days later, and you say, ooh, wow, I shouldn't have ate that bag of chips. When we go ahead and violate God's Word because we think we have an excuse, a few days later we may say, oh, I wish I had not have done that. So choose a path of purity. Watch how calculated Paul is with his instructions. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. That's Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. So what's Paul telling us to do? Think on the things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and praise. Think of those good things. And he tells us to dwell on those things. No, don't just let it pass through your mind. Dwell on those good things. Think about those things and think about them often. Stop dwelling on the bad things that are happening and be thankful for the good things that God does for us every day. Concentrate on them. Meditate on them. All of those things are what we need to do. And when we focus on the things of God, it only makes sense that the peace that God offers will follow. You see, many times we don't have that peace because we're not thinking on the things that Paul even instructs us here in this passage of Scripture to think on. And when we choose the opposite, we shouldn't be surprised at the unpeaceful results. Third, learn contentment, contentment in every situation of life. We should know by now that contentment isn't an automatic right. 
I know the founding fathers in the Declaration of Independence talks about the, that we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But we also realize that happiness is something that we may, we may not be able to obtain from time to time. But maybe the founding fathers did get it right. Maybe they knew that we would frantically chase contentment pursuing happiness all the days of our American lives. So many of us seem to be convinced that the next thing that we buy, the next job that we take, that the next hobby that we tackle is going to bring happiness. And many times we find that after we pursued those things that it does not bring happiness. And so many of us are frustrated so perhaps contentment and happiness are like butterflies. The more you chase them, the more they fly away and hide. In fact, chasing butterflies is a worthless occupation. You can't eat them. You can't sell them. You can't even teach them to do tricks so that you can entertain other people with them. So why chase butterflies? Ironically, once you stop and busy yourselves with the things that have great value, like our relationships with each other, our relationship with our family and friends, contentment and happiness will sneak up on you and land on you just like a butterfly does sometimes when you least expect it. Have you ever had that happen? You've been outside, maybe going somewhere or been somewhere, and a butterfly just lands on your arm or lands on your hand, hand, head, and there it is. You could chase it all day and never catch it, but it just lands on you. And that's the way peace with God comes. When we do His will, it just shows up. And you'll have encouragement when you need it the most. You see, Paul had pulled it off through his persevering, lifelong walk with the Lord. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, Paul says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherewith, wherein ye also were also careful not to but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state that I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That's a very important passage of Scripture. But did you notice Paul's secret to contentment? It's found in that word he learned contentment. He learned contentment as a direct result of his walk with Jesus Christ. What did he say? I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me or which strengtheneth me. That's why it's so important 
that as a Christian, we walk with Christ, that we follow Him in the light as He is in the light. We don't walk in darkness. We don't want to do those things. Our former life before we became a Christian is supposed to be put behind us, and now there's a change that's taking place in our life. And that's why it's so important that we walk the talk. You know, I'm doing some lessons, a series of lessons that hopefully you're you're following along and working on those if you're not too far behind. But you realize that it's important that there's changes made in our lives. We can't go on being the person that we were before we became a Christian. Once we obey the Gospel, there's supposed to be a change that takes place in our life. And we walk with Christ. And the more we walk with Christ, the more content we are. And that's how Paul learned contentment by walking with our Lord. We learn contentment by doing what our Lord wants us to do. And if we will follow Jesus with intentional rejoicing, purity, and concentration on contentment, something wonderful will happen. God's peace, which is like no other peace, will be yours. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus is telling us, and Paul has told us, and others have told us, that we don't have a spirit of fear. We're not to be afraid. We need to understand that God is there and that He takes care of us. doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen to us. But we don't live in fear. We have a spirit of power that God has given to us. And that is the same kind of peace that Paul talked about when he was encouraging those in Philippi. That's the peace that Jesus left us. The peace that passes all understanding. It is the peace that passes... All understanding, taking away anxiety, guarding against impurities, and blessing us with contentment. When Paul talked about the peace of God, the kind of peace that was beyond human understanding, he uses an interesting word. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, what does it say? And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In that verse, he uses a very interesting word. That word that he uses is keep. That word keep in the Greek means guard or sentry who watches for the enemy or a thief. The the peace that, that God gives us will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, it will help to keep that impurity out of our lives. That when we have that peace that passes all understanding, we choose joy as opposed to complaining and griping and groaning about every little thing that's happening to us. The peace of God will be like a sentry that is watching for things that might battle against that peace of mind. And when you need encouragement the most, God's sentry man of peace will be at its best. But that comes from our walk with Christ, being obedient to His will, living a life to please Him. When God works, it's impossible to describe the peace, which is why the Bible calls it a peace that passeth all understanding. Do you want that peace? I want that peace. 
And that peace is available. And those are some of the things that we need to do. So don't let the world get you down. Don't let what's happening around us get you down. Trust God. Choose joy. Choose to do the right thing. Choose to be pure as God wants us to be. And learn to be content. That, doesn't, that means it doesn't just naturally happen. You have to work at it. And so God will help us. And so it's amazing what God can do with our lives. God has the ability to reach into our lives when we give Him the chance and to make great things happen in our lives. And in your greatest need for encouragement, I want to encourage you with the words of Paul. Choose joy. He set the example. Choose purity. Choose trust. Reject anxiety. Forget the circumstances. Memorize and soak your soul and your heart in Scripture. Find the confidence that comes from following and knowing and following Jesus Christ. The encouragement is there. God gives it. Don't let the world get you down. Trust God. Jesus came into this world because He wants you to have that peace that passeth all understanding. He wants you to be a follower of His. And so He came and He died on a cross so that you and I could have eternal life. So that we could have the joy of the forgiveness of sin. So that we could have that peace by walking and following in His footsteps. And so he died on a cross, and in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, he instructed his disciples <clears throat> to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That gospel is the fact that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and they arose victorious over the grave. That's according to 1 Corinthians 15, chapter, verses 1 through 4. And so we take that gospel into the world. Just like Paul and Silas on that night when they were in that jail, and the prison was shaken, and they were freed. <clears throat> they ended up being washed by their their wounds were washed by the jailer, and then they were baptized. The jailer was baptized into Christ. That's exactly what Jesus said do, and that's what He tells us today to do. That if we want to go to heaven, if we want to be saved, then we have to believe and be baptized. You can do that this morning if you're not a Christian. If you are a Christian, maybe you haven't lived as you should. Maybe you haven't had your trust in God. Maybe you haven't had the joy that comes with a peace that passeth all understanding. Maybe you haven't learned contentment. I would encourage you to study God's Word and to get as close to God as you can to walk in His in the steps that He would have you to walk in to live that faithful life. But we're here to help you in any way that we can. If you're unable to, to live the Christian life or haven't struggled with it, we're here to encourage you and to help you in any way that we can. You have that opportunity to respond to the invitation and have a seat up here on the front row while we stand and sing.